I'm Kevin Hillier. Welcome to the Legal Minefield podcast, a podcast that gives you direct access to a man with decades of experience in the legal profession. That man is John Mellier. You can contact him directly via our email address, info.thelegalminefield at gmail.com. It's that simple. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Legal Minefield podcast. John, welcome back. Uh, another busy week, busy times as always, I assume. Yeah. Welcome, Kevin. Yes, as always, always a busy time everywhere. It's just craziness. Uh, well, let's talk about what's been happening uh, in our courts and a couple of things that have sort of caught both our eyes and we wanted to have a chat about. I want to talk to you about court etiquette because it's something that is never discussed. It's it's sort of something that you think you know a little bit about, but mm. I don't reckon we do. I mean, I think we know if we go to court, we probably should dress better than I'm currently dressed doing this podcast with you and have a suit on rather than a track suit. Well, is, is there actually an etiquette about how you look, how you present yourself, or is that all uh, part of uh, what you try and tell people who are going into court so is it, um, it looks better for them? So there's, there's, there's etiquette with the court system. There's two, two sides to it. There's the um, as you're talking about the way you dress and turn up and what you do in court. So let's start with that because that's the easiest one everyone knows. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen people turn up in singlets. I've seen people turn up in stubby shorts. I've seen people turn up in thongs. And, uh, <laughs> in the magistrate's court, what we're talking about. And it's, you know, it doesn't go down well yeah. because the, the magistrate has a look at them and goes, well. Is it seen as a sign of disrespect? It can be, yes, yeah. it can be. But today, most magistrates are used to how people turn up at court. So what we try and tell clients is to make sure they're dressed very smart, like, you know, smart casual or business attire if they work, because it's the impression that, given to the magistrate. So if the magistrate, it's his first impression of you that he's going to have, he or she is going to be form their view with their first impression of you when they see you. So from the bar, from the bench at the top, they're going to glare down at the person sitting behind their lawyer or counsel, and they're going to take a quick look at them and think, well, all right, okay. Shouldn't That shouldn't be what comes into it, but that's the reality of we're all human, yeah, exactly. we're all people. Yes, magistrate and judges. I've said it before on the on the program on the podcast. They're human. They're people. So, yeah. and we always tell our clients: make sure you just look very presentable. You know, uh, you're respectful, and things will go well for you. Yeah, yeah. So there's that side of the etiquette, and then there's a formal etiquette of what you do in a courtroom and you can't do in a courtroom, or what you can and can't do. So. For example, when you enter a courtroom or leave a courtroom, if the judge or magistrate is sitting on the bench, you're meant to bow. Okay. Um, that comes back from tradition all the way back through the early days. It comes from the English system. It's part of our adversarial system as a sign of respect to the court. So when you come in or come out of a courtroom, you have to bow if the magistrate or judge is sitting on a bench. So that's the first thing. Do you bow to the thing. bench or do, do you just, just – Yeah, just at the magistrate or yeah. the judge. Yeah, you yeah. bow to the bench. That's Sorry. right, Kevin. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is um, you don't sit and chat, have a chat in court with your mate. You wait till your case gets on or till you get heard. You can you can whisper or talk to your lawyer quietly, um, but you, you can't make any noise because the reason why you can't make any noise is because the – Microphones that you see in the courtroom are not microphones for voice to be heard, voices to be heard. They're for recordings. Mm. So 
if everyone's talking in the background, it's going to be hard for the court to record what's actually going on in front of the bar table. So that's important to know as well. The other thing is you can't eat and drink in a court, okay? Um, because, again, the same issues we'd have. We'd have people that are too noisy or too loud and with trying to record and hear what's going on, it'll be difficult in that case in the courtroom. The other thing is there are a lot of, um, in the magistrate's court especially, there are a lot of hearings where they're on video link with um, people who are in prison or people who can't attend court. And again, they've got to be able to hear what's going on and what's said. So um, that's the reason why you have to be basically quiet in court until your matter's heard or or you get to talk or be a witness or whatever happens in your, your circumstances. So etiquette's important. It's a part of the whole issue of respect of the court, respect of the system, respect of the judges and magistrates who are in positions of authority. That that's why we have those etiquettes in court. I'm um, assuming also, the phone the phone etiquette is the same as oh, it the phone's got to be off. <laughs> yes, correct. If, I, if the phone goes off, <laughs> and it's happened to lawyers where oh, where the judge or magistrate say, if you don't turn your phone off, I'm going to uh, you know confiscate your phone and you won't get it back to the end of the hearing. Yep. Or you know you're in you know in the early days when mobiles were first coming, and I remember this because I was around then. Before mobile phones, everyone had pockets of change and would run outside and there'd be rows of telephone booths and you'd be calling in to get instructions and do what you need to do. When mobile phones started going off in court, in the county court in particular, judges would, would sort of say to the lawyers, if that goes off one more time, you're in contempt of court and then we'll deal with you. So they took it pretty serious yep. in the early days. Um, now they'll just tell you to turn it off and be quiet. And if if not, they'll take the phone off you or throw you out of the courtroom. Do, do um, lawyers use phones uh, from, a, from a text point of view? Uh, um, I don't because if the buzzing goes off or there's a noise, yeah. you'll be picked up by the bench. So I, I don't try not to do it. Yeah. I'm sure there's way there are ways to do that or turn off the buzzing sound. Um, I'm I'm not technically a fay with all that, but yeah. I'm sure some practitioners do. Um, but when I'm in court, I'm in court. I'm focused on my client. Yep, that's it. I'm not focused on phone calls and people texting me. I'm focused on the job, and that's what people should be doing. Yeah, while they're there. So so there's there's those two types of um, scenarios with etiquette and what can happen. Um, but basically, the essentials are you know bow. When you come in and out, not to make noise, not to have your phone on. Also, be respectful, you know, to the to the judge or magistrate when you're talking to them. Yep. You know, I've plenty of cases where people have lost their temper and started yelling at the judge or magistrate or threatening them and telling them they're going to go and get them after and stuff. So it's not ended well. So you need to be respectful and 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 remember, you've got your lawyer there or your barrister there, let them do the talking for you. Does the dynamic change when a jury is involved? Uh, yes, the dynamic does change because what happens is the jury are our peers, okay? So they're meant to be our peers and lay people. They're not professional lawyers or have any professional – they're not professional jurors. They're there to decide in criminal cases – and beyond reasonable doubt, whether someone's guilty or not guilty of the crime they've been accused of committing. So it's important that a jury pays attention to what's going on. Basically, they have the life of the accused person in their hands. 
So they're going to ultimately be the ones who send someone away or not. The judge does that. He does the sentencing after if they're found guilty. But if the jury finds them guilty, then they're, they're effectively putting these these people's lives, the accused person's life on hold forever or putting them in prison. Now, they need to be able to concentrate. They need to be able to understand what's going on. And every accused person or every defendant is entitled to a fair hearing and they're entitled to the right to put on their defence and have a jury understand and hear it. So if things distract the jury in the courtroom and they miss something or they miss an important point, it's not fair to the accused person. It's not fair to the barristers and lawyers working for the accused people. It's not fair to the other lawyers on the other side because that could give rise to an issue for an appeal if something's missed and not covered. It's not fair to the jurors as well because they're there to do a job. Their job is to decide the innocence or guilt of a person. And they can't do that properly if they're distracted. So that's the that seems to be the biggest issue the court or the judges have, they would have at the moment. I've not sat on a on a jury, Judy, but I, I'm assuming that it's a it's a hell of a, a, a you know a task to take on in the first place without having a whole lot of other things, bells and whistles going on around you. You you actually do need because you're not, as you point out, we're, we're lay people if we're on a yep. jury, and so you're sitting there and you're hearing all this for the first time like everybody else, and it's up to you to take it in, not to be looking at something over here or watching someone texting on their mobile phone or, you know, waving to your best mate because he's walked Correct. into the court to see how you're going. Correct, and that and that's right. They're, they've got basically the accused person's life in their hands and they're there to decide their fate and they need to be able to do that properly without being distracted. And I think that's the whole real issue about distraction rather than any other issue that's being blown up in the media. Yep. It's it's purely an issue for um, having them distracted. It, it'd be the same case if you or I were accused of something and we went before a jury. We'd want them to concentrate on every point, on every argument of what's going on. We would not want them to miss a beat. And, that, and that's what's going to happen if they get distracted. So that's the concern of the court and that's what, what's gone on in the last couple of days. Really interesting thing is that when you, when you watch television programs, so, you know, whether they be from whatever country in the world, they always talk about uh, the jury will be watching you when they talk to the defendant. They say the jury will be watching your reaction, the jury will be watching what you're doing. But the opposite is also the case where the person who is the defendant will be watching the jury watching and the seeing jury. who's paying attention, who's fallen asleep, who's who's scribbling on their notebook, who's doing what. I mean, it, it goes both ways. Correct. It goes both ways. And if I'm acting for a defendant, I'll be looking. I'll be looking as well to make sure, you know, they're, they're getting the idea or the concept. In a civil matter, I'll certainly be looking at a jury. I'll be making sure to see that you know, they're following along and what's going on. So, yeah, it goes both ways. Let's talk about the the media role here because uh, the media role in, in what's happened in the last couple of days with what we've just been talking about has been interesting too because uh, I'm uh, from what I've heard, uh, often the judge or the magistrate will tell the media he doesn't want them to use certain things in, uh, in inside the courtroom. That's his yep. domain. If he says, I don't want you texting, I don't want you using your, your computers, I don't want – they have to adhere to that? Yep, they do. And um, often – times the media will turn up on video links if 
cases are being called over in the magistrate's court uh, via video link on certain lists and they're following certain accused people, they'll try and get into the link to hear the evidence and the judges or magistrates will have to throw them out electronically to make sure that they get in. Right. There'll then have to be orders that they seek to get information released at the end of the day or the hearing, and the magistrate or judge will often do that and ask the the um, defendant's lawyers, do they have any objection to that material being released or, released or an order being made for the release once there's been something happening with a committal hearing or something like that. So there are issues um, that, that arise. But look, the basic premise or the basic issue with the media is this. Everyone's entitled to the presumption of innocence, right? You're presumed innocent until found guilty, okay? How do you think you're going to get a fair hearing or a fair trial if it's all blown up in the media day after day? Mm. And we've seen this happen. We've seen, you know, the the Brittany Higgins saga is is, is one example of this in recent times. You, you know, it... <laughs> How is a how is a accused person supposed to get a, a fair hearing? I mean, it's all right, it's well and good for um, the judge to say to jurors, "Look, um, you know, when when they retire on a Friday to come back on a, a Monday, um, now make sure you don't uh, discuss this with anyone, and make sure you don't uh, watch any media, any um, you know, clips on Facebook or anything about this case." Okay, now. That's theoretically nice, but in practice, it's impossible to police or to understand because with the digital age, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, whatever, we want to find out something, it's at our fingertips. So because it's at our fingertips and because the media is on their 24-hour cycle, news cycle, somewhere someone's going to have a story about a case that's running. Now, is the person who's on trial going to get a fair hearing and a proper hearing if the jurors have seen it or talked about it because it's been in the media or their family or friends have talked to them? That's where I have an issue with with what's been going on. And then the issue is, look, people are entitled to a fair hearing. Mm. The media should report accurately what's happening and leave it at that. And the interesting word you use there is report as opposed to opinionate, which is a very fine line that, that seems to be being crossed more and more. Correct. Um, you know, there, there are really good journalists out there. Um, there are really good ones that do report accurately what's going on. And then there are some that are not doing that. So if you're an accused person, you just want a fair hearing. You just want to have a fair hearing and you want to get through what's going on and find out one way or the other whether you're going to be guilty, found guilty or innocent. You don't need um, to be caught up in a circus every time. Yeah. The four walls of the of the courtroom seem to be uh, where, that, where that is played out the way it should be played out. It's before you get into the courtroom. Correct. And, and when you leave the courtroom. And when you leave the courtroom. That the, that the trouble starts. And and as a media person who's been in the media a long time, uh, we, we had lawyers talk to us about, you know, content of our comedy and, and the things that we said on air and to, to be the defamation and all those things that we, was, we were literally schooled in because 
in, on a live radio situation that I had, you could say something and finish up being in an awful lot of trouble, uh, innocently uh, or or not innocently, whichever the case may be, uh, which has happened to me a couple of times. But this seems to be a different form of the media now, in, in all honesty, uh, from, from watching it from my point of view, becoming uh, uh, the judge and jury. Correct. It, it, we, we, I hate to say this, but we're getting a bit like um, America in yeah. terms of that type of journalism and in relation to courts. So, you know, before a person goes on trial, they're practically in the media's eyes, either guilty or not guilty, and they'll be presented that way before they even get in, step foot in a courtroom. Start the start their journey. Well, the mud sticks, doesn't it? Whatever it is that you've been accused of, or or that you're implicated in, there there is certain parts of that that will stick, regardless of what happens inside the four walls of the court. Correct. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It, it it really depends on how the media perceive it and how they play it out. Yeah. Uh, but again, the, the the problem lies with um, internet, the social media channels. I don't think we had those issues before when it was just print media. Yeah. When it was just print media, it was a bit more thorough. It was researched more. It was probably would have been canvassed more easily. Well, there was a different deadline, wasn't there? I mean, you were yeah. talking about getting it in tomorrow morning's paper or this afternoon's yeah. paper. We don't even have an afternoon paper anymore. But now with the streaming, everything is instantaneous. It's done... Five, that, that's five, right. five to nine and you walk into the court at nine o'clock, boom, there that, you go. That's right, there you go. Or the person is in the courtroom and while they're in there, the media is playing the stuff outside. So yep. it, it, it's changed. The landscape's changed and unfortunately we have to learn to um, deal with it or work out a better way. It, it clearly makes your job, uh, the job of any lawyer, and, and I'm assuming the job of magistrates and, and judges a hell of a lot harder it does because everyone's under scrutiny. The accused person or your client's under scrutiny. You're under scrutiny, and um, even the judge or magistrate, if they do the, if if they're perceived to have done the wrong thing or given somebody a light sentence or not sentenced them enough or given them bail, you know they get basically tortured in in the media. Yeah, yeah. We now, have we have a legal system where you can go back and say, "I don't think that was fair. I, I should correct. be. You can, I should you get a appeal. lesser sentence, or I should get. He should get more for what he did." We have we actually have a system, but the media seems to be its own system. Correct. It seems to be its own system. And again, you're right, Kevin. It's it's about what you were saying. It's that instant hit, that instant get it out, get it done quick, get those clicks happening. It's all about that, as opposed to, well, let's find out really what's going on. Let's try and write it. You know. It'll, we can put it out tomorrow, but that's not today's age. Today's age is we want it in our fingertips. We've got yeah. it in our mobile phones to connect. That's it. Yeah. Is it possible to fly under the radar with anything these days or is that just now gone? I think that's gone because yeah. a, a couple of things uh, and from my own experience in dealing with some clients who've, who've had things come before the media – one is you certainly will have someone who will know you or see your photo or see something about you or know before you even go that will contact the media. I've had even members of Victoria Police who are prosecuting the case contact the media mm. and inform them it's on today and this is where they're going to be at. 
So that has happened too. Uh, from our point of view, we don't want to contact the media. The only time I'll need to contact the media is if I think it's wrong and we need to clarify something. Yep. But otherwise, it, it should just be normal, you know, just a normal court process. It should just happen. But um, that, that has happened on some occasions where, um, unfortunately, you know, the media have been there waiting and they know, they know more than we did about what was happening, which courtroom. We, we find out the night before, but they're already there. They know. <laughs> they, they know. They've already made their applications to um, try and get access to material. Yeah. And it's not going to change anytime soon. No, look, it's not going to change. All people can do is just, you know, try and do the best they can and make the best out of it they can in terms of preparing for court um, and not getting hung up or caught up in the media circus. So, you know, that means not getting on Facebook, <laughs> not getting on and sending messages back to people who say, you know, you're guilty, go hang, go die, all that yeah. stuff. You know, you don't get into all that. You just get yourself. The best thing anyone who's facing court could do is get themselves off social media altogether and yeah. stay off it. Because as I tell young clients, you leave a digital footprint. Whatever you do, on social media, you might do something when you're 15, 16 and think it's funny. Right? You might take a naked picture of yourself and send it around because you think it's funny. Right? That's a digital footprint. That's out there. That's not going to be taken down. That's there. So then when you go for a job in 10, 12, 15 years later, your employer might find a way to check you out and up comes this picture you took when you were 15. It's all about you leaving this digital footprint, and you can't do that. You've got to you've got to think about the future instead of just thinking about the quick hit for now. And and it's hard for young people to understand that, and that's why they get themselves in a fair bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting field, isn't it? Uh, it's it's changed it's changed so many, many things. I mean, there's so many, and I don't want to make this sound like a couple of old blokes sitting around uh, whinging about technology because it's it's done so much good stuff. But there is a side, oh, look, to it, it, a side to it that we haven't quite come to grips with yet. It's done a lot of good stuff, um, but I think we're still – I think the legal system's still slow to catch up. Yep. Um, I think the Attorney General, the State Attorney General, should certainly look at looking at some new laws or regulations around how all this operates when trials are happening – because we don't want another situation like what's happened in the uh, Brittany Higgins case. So yeah. we don't want that happening again. So how do you stop that? Yeah. <laughs> and if there are no rules in place for people to follow, then it's going to keep happening eventually. The, the, the legal system, do, does it have a an area that works particularly in that in that social media area? Look, there are there is media there are media lawyers who yeah. do work in that area and deal with all that, and there's privacy lawyers and privacy issues. So they all work in that area. Um, but what I'm talking about is more the um, sensational journalism where people are chased up the court steps with the cameras yeah. in their face, all that sort of stuff. There needs to be some regulations about that and rules. Like, you know, it's hard for a person going to court, having a camera in their face, trying to get through the court system like at an airport at the checkout area to get in. Yeah. Um, it's daunting. It's hard for them. Or they follow you from when you've had lunch, walking back to the court. And even if you try and come in a back way, they'll find you and they'll put the camera in your face. Now, that's, you know, that shouldn't be happening. 
No, I couldn't agree more. And, and I'll be honest and say, I don't even think it's great television or it's great footage to watch. I, I'm still, I still sometimes wonder what exactly, why exactly do you think that looks good, or that I, I'm sitting down in my lounge room wanting to see that. Correct. Why do you think I want to want yeah, to see that? I'm happen? not really that. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I might be interested in the case and the outcome of the case, but do I want to see some poor bugger trying to, you know, get into a courtroom with 17 cameras and people throwing microphones? Not really. No, it'd be better if they if they actually approached the person's lawyer and said, "Look, we just want one shot for the you know for the news. Would you mind?" And it's done. Yeah. As opposed to chasing them up and down the whole street. Yes, yes, it you is. Know. It's ludicrous, and and almost falling in front of them and sticking microphones and what have you got to say about this? Knowing full well the person's not going to say anything. No, because they've been told not to. Yeah. And they can't. They can't answer any questions. They can't do anything. Yeah. I mean. That's their right. Yeah, no, it is. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Mind, mind-numbingly stupid. Sometimes I have to admit the media. Uh, and, oh, look, and it, I've it, been it, a long it, time. Yeah, Kevin, we're not here to um, bash the media at no. all, and we're not. We're certainly not doing that. I just think there has to be a better way, and um, I certainly think there, there could be a better way of doing it, which is good for everyone. Yeah. The question is, who's got the Time and the tenacious uh, appetite to do it. That's yeah. the issue. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good on you, John. Always good to chat. Thanks once again. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Kevin. You stay well. If you have a question, by all means, send it to info.thelegalminefield at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to hear from you. And any other comments you have, please share them on our Facebook page or send us an email. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. 